Krishna. So uh, now we are going to, actually I'm going to talk about the Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, first Canto, Chapter 1, Text 2. And if you have any questions, you can uh, write them on Facebook and hopefully I will see them. So, uh, we'll begin. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So, uh, first I will chant the entire verse, 112, for Srimad Bhagavatam, and then try to explain it. The verse is, Dharma projita kaita votra paramo nirmatsara nang satang vidyam vastava matra vastu shivadang tapatrayon mulanam Simad Bhagavate Mahamuni Krite Kim Paparar Ishwarat Sadyo Hridyavarudyatetra Krite Vishushushuvis Takshanat. So Prabhupada has translated this as follows completely rejecting all religious activities which are materially motivated. This Bhagavad Purana propounds the highest truth, which is understandable by those devotees who are fully pure in heart. The highest truth is reality distinguished from illusion for the welfare of all. Such truth uproots the threefold miseries. This beautiful Bhagavatam compiled by the great sage Vyasadeva in his maturity is sufficient in itself for God realization. What is the need of any other scripture? As soon as one attentively and submissively hears the message of Bhagavatam, by this culture of knowledge, the Supreme Lord is established within the heart. So let's look at the Sanskrit here. Uh, the first word is dharma, which can be translated religion. Uh, and it also has broader meanings in Sanskrit. For example, dharma also means justice, justice. And so when Krishna says he comes to reestablish dharma in this world, it means to establish justice and law, because obviously justice means that a reasonable, fair law is actually followed and honored. Things are done properly, fairly. So there are different kinds of dharma. Uh, there's Sridharma, the special duties for women. There is Raja Dharma, there are duties for kings or government leaders. Uh, there is Dharma for all the four Varnas and four Ashrams. So there's Brahmana Dharma, Kshatriya Dharma, etc. Brahmachari Dharma or Grihastha Dharma. Uh, so, um, so these are all dharma and ultimately in order to make clear that there is a dharma which actually applies to everyone because it applies to the soul it is called sanatana dharma eternal dharma uh, obviously a man does not 
execute duties which are especially for women or women for men and there are certain specific duties or if a duty is especially for a vaisha it may not be executed by sudra or brahmana or for example sannyasi won't execute grihastha dharma and vice versa so because there are so many specific dharmas that ultimately um apply to uh us because of the body we have in other words it's obviously because someone has a man's body or a woman's body or because one's body is married or not or not married and and so on and so forth also it's the body which is a brahman or kshatriya and so on so all these dharmas apply to us because of the type of body we have and the bodily situation that we're in all those dharmas but there is a dharma which which is krishna consciousness directly which applies directly to the soul and because everyone is a soul it is everyone's dharma and that is sanatana dharma or krishna consciousness a word about where the word about the origin of the word dharma it comes from a sanskrit root dhar dh vowel r and uh it means to hold or maintain that verb and therefore for example dhara means holding for example krishna is called chakra dhara because he holds a chakra or because he krishna holds a gada a club he's called gada dhara so all those uses or for example krishna the one who held up the mountain is called giri dhari giri dhari because he held up the giri the mountain so dharma as Prabhupada explained uh ultimately means those duties or those activities uh which sustain our identity in society for example in order to be considered a proper ruler one has to follow raja dharma the royal or governors or kings dharma or to be considered a respectable lady one follows sri dharma and so on and so forth so sanatana dharma or krishna consciousness sustains us in our true identity our eternal identity sanatana identity as spirit souls who are eternal servants of krishna so that's what the word roughly i mean or quickly that's what the word dharma means and of course religion in this world generally means activities or beliefs uh in relation to a supreme being uh of course scholars manage to complicate even that simple definition but never mind that for now so that's and and so because of that Prabhupada sometimes translates dharma as religion or religious principles uh since it refers to that which is eternal sanatan dharma at least when it's used in that way sanatan dharma so this first it begins by saying dharma projita kaitavotra here the word atra here in this book and the word this word was used in the first verse also several times atra here here in this very special book called simad bhagavatam uh it actually doesn't say that um anyway never mind the technical grammar what it does say is a dharma projita kaitavo here 
there is a dharma. It, it technically, grammatically doesn't say that cheating dharma is rejected. It indirectly says that. What it literally says grammatically is that here is a dharma in which cheating has been rejected. Kaitava means cheating. Projita means thrown out, rejected. Prabhupada says you're completely rejected. So grammatically, literally, the verse says, here in the Bhagavatam, there, is, there are duties, there are principles of life in which uh, cheating has been rejected. So what is that cheating? Basically, the cheating is that if we claim we are serving someone, but ultimately we really just want to serve ourselves. For example, let's say a real estate agent that gives good service to the client when in fact the agent, you know, doesn't care if the client drops dead tomorrow or the, the agent really has no interest in the client. It's just, that's what you do in order. Of course, there are real estate agents who are pious and who care about the people they work with. But in general, in business, uh, people are out for themselves and they follow a certain etiquette or, you know, they, present themselves as a friend of the other person when in fact their real interest is, is quite selfish. So dharma in general means we are following, which means when you follow, you put yourself in a sense in a subordinate position because you follow someone else who's the leader. But if the intention is not really to follow, there's no real devotion, there's no real concern with that so-called authority. It's just to get what you want. That's the cheating. Whereas in Krishna consciousness, we serve Krishna and we really want to serve Krishna. Our real intention is actually to serve Krishna. So, dharma projita kaitavotra. And then, paramo nirmatsaranang satam. And paramo means here, the dharma, I mean, just speaking grammatically here, the word parama refers to dharma. So really here, there's the highest dharma, which is not in dharma, the dharma of the pure soul. And even if we talk about dharma of the pure soul, you could say that impersonal liberation refers to the soul, but it's not the highest dharma of the soul. And since one ultimately cannot stand the Brahma Jodi, you pop out because it's an artificial position. We are really eternal persons, therefore, uh, it is and isn't. I mean, in one sense, it, it, it's it's the soul that tries to climb into the Brahma Jyoti, but since you can't really stay there, uh, it's not really your eternal dharma. So eternal dharma really is of the personal soul in relationship to the personal absolute truth. Krishna, or Vishnu. So Padamo here refers to dharma. Here's the highest dharma in which cheating is fully rejected. And uh, also here in this Bhagavatam, nirmatsaranang sitang vidyam vastavamatravastu. Uh, actually, let me just back up. <laughs> I, won't, I won't bore you with all the grammatical details. But also, near Matsadanang Satang, uh, Matsada in Sanskrit, Matsada means envy, and near means without, like nirvana. 
So nirmatsara means without envy. And so here, for the sat, for the devotees, for, in other words, sat means existence, being. Sat literally is the, uh, anyway, neuter, uh, singular, present participle of the verb to be. So sat, actually in the word sat, the S is the same S as in the English word is. So, um, Satang means of those who are truly existing, of those who have achieved real being. For example, let's say you're uh, someone is a uh, from France, but they pretend to be from some other place. Let's say someone pretends to be from I don't know Brazil. Then that's not who you really are. So if you if you are existing as who you really are, then you admit and you act as, you know, a person from France. That's who I really am. So when you, so to call a, someone a sat or being, like in satsanga, association with sat, uh, it means association with those who have true being, true existence as who they really are. I gave a crude mundane example, but who we really are is eternal souls. So when you exist as your real self, who you really are, then you become set. You possess true being. And so this Bhagavatam is for those who have true existence, who are living their lives as souls. And therefore, nirmatsaranam, they do not envy others. All this envy comes from the body. That's why we we become, uh, you know, we all this conflict with others, unnecessary conflict. There is actually necessary conflict as in Kurukshetra. But those who do not, those who have true existence realize, at least in principle, that everyone else is also an eternal soul. And so why fight with, why should one pure soul fight with another pure soul unnecessarily? So for those who have true existence, and who are not envious of anyone. Because if you don't want anything, if, if you're not, if you have no lust or greed or desire for uh, uh, fame or I want to be respected, because if I want to be respected and someone disrespects me, then I hate that person or I'm, you know, I, 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 something like that. So when we realize we are pure souls and we really just want to serve Krishna, then we don't envy anyone. So, or even if we accept that that's the kind of person I want to be, and I'm going to work to be that person. So even if you're not there yet, but if that's your serious goal in life, I want to be such a person, and I'm going to follow the principles to become such a pure soul, then the Bhagavatam is also for you. So that's the first line. Dharma projita kaita votra paramo nirmatsadanang satang. And then the next line, Vedyam Vastava Matra Vastu. That here, again, the word atra, here in this Bhagavatam, uh, something is Vedyam. Veda means knowledge. Vedya means that which is to be known. So what is to be known? If this is a pure book without cheating, meant for pure souls. So what's the subject matter? What is the Vedya? What is to be known here in this Srimad Bhagavatam? Vastavam Matra Vastu. Vastavam Vastu. By the way, this is a little 
term that Bhakti Siddhanta uh, took from the Bhagavatam, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and he used it a lot in his own purports and preaching. Vastu in Sanskrit means basically a real thing, a real substance. Uh, I'll just uh, tell you very quickly from the Sanskrit dictionary because the word vastava is made from the word vastu. So the word vastu means um, any really existing or abiding, continuing substance, or a thing, an object, nor just a real thing is a vastu. A real thing is a vastu. And therefore, in philosophy, it can mean uh, the truth, in the sense that which really exists, that which is really true. And from the word vastu, you get the word vastava. Uh, by the way, you, you may have noticed vastu shastra, which teaches about things like objects, how to how to position objects, such as the building, you know, such as objects that, that are used to make a house. So that's where that word comes from. That's vastu, the long A. This is vastu, the original word. And vastavam, so vastavam vastu means something like real reality or uh, the substantial substance. And, and substance here in the serious philosophical sense, substand means that which stands below, like you have the appearance of something. Let's say, for example, you have fake jewelry. So it looks like the appearance is that it's jewelry or it's a, it's a diamond. However, sub to that which stands beneath the appearance, the reality of it, which is, in other words, underneath that mere appearance is the reality of it. That's called substance, to stand beneath the reality that, that stands below the appearance, the mere surface of an object. So, uh, like the substantial substance or the real reality, that's the Vastu. And again, Bhakti Siddhanta uses this repeatedly to describe the absolute truth. The absolute truth is the Vastavam Vastu. And that is what is to be known, what can be known in this Bhagavatam. And it is Shiva Dham. Shiva means uh, well being. And Shiva Dham, it gives well-being. If you want to be happy, if you want to be healthy, spiritually or even materially, if you want a good life, as we know, if someone is very sick, it's, you know, maybe a great life if you're a pure devotee, but for most of us, being sick is not a great life. And so if we want well-being, if we want to be healthy as souls, then we should read the Bhagavatam, because the Bhagavatam will give us that spiritually healthy life and top, therefore, tapa trayon mulanam. Tapa means suffering. The, the verb tap in Sanskrit means to burn. Therefore, uh, the, the sun is called uh, tapas. And so uh, tapa, because it means burning, it means suffering. You know, it burns like fire. So, so that's what tapas means. It means uh, like suffering, which is burning, real suffering. And triya. The, the three, the three intense sufferings, which as we know are uh, sufferings caused by others, sufferings coming from our own body and mind and, and, and from nature. And so un mulana, mula means root. So uh, un mulana means literally uprooting. This is a very, this word is exactly like in English, uprooting. 
Now, when I lived on uh, the Iscon farm in Brazil, Nova Gokula, I learned some things about agriculture. One thing I learned is if you have a field and you want to prepare it to plant, then there's two things you can do. You can just cut all the weeds and then plant, which works one time, then the weeds grow back or even the weeds grow back while the crop is still growing. So if you just cut it and plant, you're gonna, it's, it's a lot of work. If you do the work in the beginning and actually uproot the weeds, then uh, it's a much, it, it you know, won't last forever, but it lasts a lot longer. You can use that field for agriculture. So the word uprooting is something which makes a lot of sense to people in pre-industrial societies, because everyone knows this, that if you, it, it's, in other words, if, let's say someone has a headache, then they can take something just to make the headache go away, but the real problem is still there. So the headache comes back and the real problem in the body is still there. So to uproot all of our suffering means it won't come back. It's gone. The root has been removed and we will now be happy always as long as we don't do anything stupid again. So because of this, well, then it said, Srimad Bhagavate Mahamuni Krite. This is called the locket of absolute in Sanskrit grammar, which means, uh, anyway, no, no more grammatical details. What it means is now that the Srimad Bhagavatam has been composed by the great sage, now that this is a fact, now that we, now that we have this book, Srimad Bhagavate Mahamuni Krite, Kim Vaparaya, what is the use of other books? Now that the great sage, yes, has composed the Srimad Bhagavatam. And the reason is Ishwara, the Lord, Sadyo, immediately, Hridi, in the heart of Arudhyate, uh, is captured. In other words, uh, you actually establish a real relationship with Krishna. Uh, Prabhupada translates this here, the Supreme Lord is established within the heart. So sadyo rude actually means to block. I mean, literally in a sense, to stop something. So that the unstoppable Lord is called a, means not, niruddha. Niruddha, like ruddha means like really stopped, checked. And so the Lord who cannot be stopped, cannot be checked by anyone is called a niruddha. Aniruddha. But here, it's very interesting because the same verb is used with a different prefix, but the idea here is even though the Lord is Aniruddha, the Lord cannot be checked, the Lord cannot be stopped, the Lord cannot be contained, but the Lord is contained or, or captured in the heart by someone who is Kriti, Kriti B. Kriti B means by those who are Kriti. The verb Krit, of course, uh, or Kri means to do, to make. We have the English word create or uh, increase from the Sanskrit verb. So Kriti in Sanskrit means one who has acted. In other words, the Bhagavatam is saying that Krishna can be found, Krishna can be captured in the heart so that you establish your, your eternal relationship with Krishna, not merely by one who 
is, so to speak, an armchair philosopher, but by someone who actually does the right thing. We actually have to do the right thing. Do our duty. Just like at the end of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that uh, one who hears Bhagavad Gita becomes Krita Kritya, which means their duty is done. One whose duty is done can understand Bhagavad Gita, Krita Kritya. So here, Kriti is really the same idea. One who has actually done their duty in Bhakti Yoga has actually given themselves to Krishna. And, and has dedicated their life to Krishna's service. This is the kriti. And another qualification is given. Shushu uh, shubhis. Shru in Sanskrit means to hear, as in the word shruti or shravanam. So shru means to hear, and there is a uh, form in Sanskrit called the desiderative, which means, so you, you make a form of the verb, which means one who wants to do the action of the verb. Just like, for example, Vedanta begins, Tato Brahma Jigyasa. So Jigyasa, from the verb Gya to know, it means the desire to know. Jigyasa, the desire to know. Uh, so here, Shushu, Shushushu uh, means those who desire to hear, those who want to hear about Krishna who want to hear the Bhagavatam. So if you sincerely want to hear about Krishna and you do your duty, then you are, you will find Krishna in the Bhagavatam. That's the idea. And takshanat. Kshana means a moment and takshana means in that very moment. In the very moment that you hear or read the Bhagavatam with a true eagerness to learn about Krishna and with a good record. In other words, that you actually are doing your duty. And even if you're not doing your duty or you're trying to do your duty, you get credit for that also. If you would like to do your duty, if you want to do your duty and you try your best and you are eager to hear about Krishna, then you can also become Krishna conscious. But those who are doing their duty, have done their duty and, and want to hear about Krishna, takshanat, in that very moment, the Lord will be yours. So that's the second verse of the Bhagavatam. Dharma projita kaita votra paramo nirmatsadanam satam vedyam vastavam atravastu shivadam tapa trayon mulanam simad bhagavate mahamunikrate kim va parayar ishwarak sadyo vidyavarudyatetra kriti vi shushushu vis takshanat. So thank you all very much for listening. Uh, now I'll just take a look here and. Uh, See if there are any questions. Um, how do we apply this considering that we are all apparently lower than sudras? Not really. Uh, I mean, in ISKCON, it's common to make dramatic statements about how degraded we are. And that's good. I mean, I suppose it's good you know, within reason. But no, people who are trying to be Krishna conscious, I wouldn't say they're lower than sudras. 
uh, and those who are able to basically follow our principles are certainly not lower than sudras. And so, uh, and there are devotees, there are actually many devotees in this con who really are practicing bhakti yoga, and we could hardly say that they are lower than sudras. So apparently means from the appearance of things. So if we look at what people are doing, uh, there are many great souls in this movement and ultimately everyone who is trying their best to be Krishna conscious is a great soul. So how do we apply it? Uh, do your best. Let's see, uh, let's see any other questions. Anyway, thank you again. Thank you all for listening. So uh, that's the message. This is not a long class for which many will be grateful, but uh, hopefully we'll see you again next Sunday. And uh, hopefully with Krishna's mercy, we will discuss the third verse of Srimad Bhagavatam. So again, thank you all very much for listening. <laughs>